Bob, Max, our guest, uh, left, right, and center is the normal, is the title of this portion of our week usually, but Jeff Schlemmer could not join us today, and uh, Bob is flying solo. Nice to have you here anyway. Good morning, Jim. Um, I have to tell you, Bob, I got a lot of response last week to your visit here um, from people who thought that you had been kind of hard on me. What did I say? Uh you you uh, were kind of hard on me. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, no, actually, I just I just wanted to mention to the folks who had sent emails and that we 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 do so appreciate hearing from you about anything that's going on in the show. And when you hear something, whether you like it or don't like it, and you want to comment, please do feel free. And a lot of people did last week. I forget even what it was now, but you sort of you took me to task oh, for something uh, that I said, and I think I I changed my position because to do you were, with blaming. Yes, yes, yes. How could I don't you do know that? what issue we were talking about. Yeah. Though. In any in any case, I just want to let you know that uh, a lot of people responded to that. Interesting. And uh, a couple of them said, way to go, Bob. So, oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, that's interesting yeah. even more so. Yeah, about time you got it, Chapman, they said. So anyway, I wanted to acknowledge that that uh, had happened. Well, if I recall, you kind of took yourself to task, too. So I think you, everybody's on the same side. <laughs> well, I think you, 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 you know, you opened my eyes a little. I, I made a, a sort of an offhand comment that was not exactly uh, what, I should, what I believe and what I should have said, and you were quite right to call me on it. So anyway, thanks for doing that, and thanks to everybody who wrote it. It's just my, my way of sticking this in to remind you that contact us anytime you like at jimchapman at rogers.com jimchapman at rogers.com always pleased to hear from you bob i want to uh talk to you briefly today uh maybe not briefly we'll see this protest scheduled for caledonia on sunday we talked about a little bit earlier this uh, uh gary McHale guy and his wife and a bunch of other people are planning to be in caledonia on sunday the provincial government at this point in time at least have said we we're not going to prevent this we're not going to bar them from doing this probably because they legally have difficulty doing that uh, but we have advised them not to the mayor of caledonia has said please don't do it the premier personally has said please don't do it the head of the opp has said please don't do it uh, other voices have been raised and said please don't do it but uh, there are voices in caledonia who are saying come on down they are concerned about what they see as two-tier justice in Caledonia. Now, I don't want to get into that because you and I have talked about that before. Mm-hmm. I do want to ask you, though, about the idea about protesting and, and what, what role does the government have in protecting people who voluntarily walk into what can be a volatile situation? And, and let me explain just a little bit what I mean by that. Uh, Mikhail has called on the OPP to make sure that there is no violence, to make sure that he and his supporters are protected. He mm-hmm. said, we're not coming to do violence, although how he can speak for everybody who's going to be there when he doesn't know who's going to be there, I don't know. But he said, we're not coming for violence. So if there's any violence, it won't be our fault. It's up to the police to stop. If there's violence, it's up to the police to deal with it. At what point does the, do you think the state have a right to step in and say, you know, this is just potentially too risky. We don't, we really don't think you should do this protest in this place at this time. Protest if you want, but to go to the contested lands that are now owned by the province and to, to, to hold this protest when there is apparently a fairly high likelihood that it may turn into something unpleasant. That we just don't think that we're going to let you do that. Now, at this point, I want to make it perfectly clear: the province has not said that. They've said, "Well, we can't really stop it." Uh, should they have the ability to people in authority to look at that and say, "You know, guys, we're not trying to stifle your right to free speech. You know, say what you want, where you want, except don't say it here on this day." Is that an unreasonable restriction in the interest of public safety? Well. <laughs> If you take it in isolation, there's no real principle at stake there. The real thing you're looking at is where is the protest going to be held, and will it be peaceful? Will anybody be uh, threatening anybody with the use of physical force? If that's the case, the police have, I think, 
a right and an obligation to move at any time. And that's part of the whole irony of this situation is you've got, okay, the province owns the disputed lands now. Um, technically, I guess a lot of taxpayers might regard that as their property, and they have a right to go there and protest on it as well. But, of course, there's no such thing as public property. Either some private individual owns it or the government owns it. And whichever of the two own it, they set the terms for whatever the use of that property is. You cannot just go and camp out in the middle of Richmond Street because you think it's public property, yeah, okay? Yeah, yeah. It's owned by a corporation, in fact, the City of London. Yeah. So they set the terms. And that's what the rules are. It, it, you know, pr protests legitimately done would be done in, in normally on private property in private venues where uh, the risks and liabilities are assumed by the people who are, you know, holding the event. Mm -hmm. uh, protest of this type where you're going out into uh, public streets and using public streets, uh, you know, public, quote, property, um, whoever owns that property, whatever jurisdiction of government, has some right to say that, that you can or can't. However... Uh, there's always an existing, you know, acceptance that sidewalks are used for, you know, walking up and down. You know, that's one of the reasons when, when they tell protesters on a sidewalk, you got to keep moving, mm -hmm. right? Because otherwise you present an obstruction. Mm -hmm. And uh, then you are violating the terms of using that property. So it can get technical. They can be sticky about it. They can be very lenient about it. Um, but when they're telling us, I mean, ipso facto, that this is a dangerous situation, uh, where is that danger emanating from again? Could, could someone remind me why it's even a dangerous situation? It shouldn't be. The uh, Minister of Aboriginal Affairs for Ontario is a guy named Dave Ramsey, and uh, he has commented this morning that um, the province, although the province isn't washing its hands of this rally, that it is not the province's job to, as he says, prevent, uh, to keep violence from erupting. It's not their job. It's the job of the OPP. When we look at what happened at Ipperwash and the, the outcry over the potential government interference in police operations there, this was, this was the big thing that had Mike Harris you know, tried to influence the police and he's not supposed to and he doesn't have the right to and so on and so on. Um, Actually, he does. Well, but you know, that was, I'm saying that was, that yeah. was the argument. That was the argument that uh -huh. was made that he didn't. Um, is it, what do you think the liberals are doing here with this? Why would they not come down harder and say, "Listen, we just, you know, you can't do this. We're going to, we'll, we'll get an injunction. We'll do this. We'll do whatever we have to do. Don't do this. It's not safe." Well, they're, they're trying firmly not to take a stand, which is what they've been doing since the beginning of the issue. Uh, it's a disaster for them politically. I think. I think they've behaved incorrectly from the very beginning, and now they're in this thing so deep, it's costing the taxpayers millions and upon millions, and will continue to do so. The, the the situation hasn't gotten any better from anything I've seen. In fact, there's constant risks of escalation of of violence. I think the government should act. Unfortunately, they don't have that resolved. They're they're trapped between their own. Uh, convoluted concepts of multiculturalism and what's correct to do and what what their jurisdiction is you know that's why they use that argument uh, we it's not in our jurisdiction we can't do this which is nonsense even the Ipperwash hearings came out and said yeah it is it just in that case Harris didn't exercise it ironically mm -hmm. but but the premier does have the right 
to uh, do some direction of how something should be carried out legally. I mean, if you didn't, you wouldn't have a political system. The political system is what creates the laws that the police are supposed to enforce. Well, I think the confusion uh, there was that there were people were saying that he'd become uh, involved operationally, which clearly he does not have the right to do. No, he can't legally, do that, but legally. he can direct. Yeah. And, uh, of course, he has all the more, more jurisdiction to direct when now. Uh, the occupations on government land, which he has, you know, proprietorship over mm -hmm. for the time being. So he's the guy that can do it. Well, one won't. of the questions that was raised about this was, uh, to, to, you just referred to it there, that it is, is it even an occupation anymore? If this is, if it's government land and the government is not concerned about those people being there, and certainly seems to be the position of the government, well, they would, they would deny that, but in practical terms they're not too concerned because they're not doing anything about it. Um, is it an occupation at all? Well, if the government consents to them being on, quote, their land, um, if you're starting at that point, I guess you could say, no, it isn't, but you, then you've just erased the history of the whole thing. Mm. And that will, won't go away, as you can see by world conflicts the world around. <laughs> history does not go away, even though current conflicts don't seem related to things that happened, you know, 10, 20, 30, 50, 100, 1,000 years ago. So... If you don't resolve it justly, see, there hasn't been any justice, I think, applied here on any equal level at all. And I think that's what you're getting a lot of frustrated people dealing with right now. And they're concerned about their own futures uh, when situations like this arise again. And they're, they're questioning why they, as taxpayers and voting citizens, don't have the, quote, rights that other people who are even rejecting the whole system have rights <laughs> under. Isn't that ironic, you know? So... Um, Clearly, you know, I, I, we've always said, you know, they should have been gotten out of there. Uh, the government's afraid to use force, but again, this is not an issue of them initiating it. It's the other side. You, you settle these disputes later in some sort of agreed-to forum, and not with guns and knives and threats and things of that nature. We're going to pause for just a second. Bob Metz, our guest this morning on uh, Left, Right, and Center with our lefty away for today, but we'll soldier on. You're listening to the Jim Chapman News Hour on 94.9 CHRW, and we're back right after this. And we are back uh, on the program. Good to have you with us today. Bob Metz in the studio. Uh, again, uh, an issue of public safety that I want to talk to you about. The uh, latest rash of, well, not rash of shootings, the latest shooting downtown. Four people hurt. Uh, I think the most distressing thing for a lot of Londoners, and I certainly have heard from people about this, was the picture in the newspaper of the bullet hole in the window. Mm -hmm. um, distressing because you ask yourself the question, what if I had been walking down that street at that time? Uh, nothing to do with uh, what was going on, but bullets travel a fair distance, can travel a fair distance. And, uh, you know, I could have, I could have been that window. That could have been me. Absolutely. That could, could have been me. The, the argument against, um, a gun crackdown, because there's two different arguments. One is the people who say, well, the gun registry, we should, you know, go with it, continue with it, and work harder with it, and so on and so on. Um, don't understand that this isn't about the gun registry at all. It has nothing to do with the gun registry. This issue of illegal handguns in people's pockets on the street is a whole other issue. But I want to ask you, Bob, if you've got thoughts about how to deal with this, because the uh, you know there are, are some schools of thought. One says, well, mandatory sentencing for even having a gun. They catch you with a gun, you're gone for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. Just you're gone. Boom. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Or other people say, well, if it's used in the commission of a crime, that adds a couple of years to your sentence and so on. Uh, on the other side are people who say, well, is this going to create a new level of desperation in some criminals? If the cops are coming to get you, you've got a gun in your pocket, you know, they're just about to bust you. That was the New York experience, by the way, when they did that both with guns and drugs. So, when they made heroin legal, police officers were being shot to death. Uh -huh. cause, or, or when they gave it the death penalty, yeah. that is. And they changed it. Yeah. <laughs> so. so 
the, you know, that, and that's the argument, that mm-hmm. you're going to create this level of desperation. The guy's standing on the street. He's got a gun in his pocket. Everything is hunky-dory. Here's a police coming with a glint in his eye. The guy knows he's coming for him. They know if they put, the, put, you know, put hands on him, they're going to find the gun. He's going away for 20 years. He's going to pull the gun and make his move. Um, so these are the problems in trying to find an answer to this problem. I want to ask you whether you think there is an answer out there. Do you have a solution to this problem? Well, I certainly do agree with the principle of, of, a, of a stronger penalty of some sort where a weapon is used as a weapon of offense. But I don't think that's the big picture answer to anything because, um, you know, I heard our police chief saying on another station that uh, the reason or some of the... There's another fa- station? Yeah, <laughs> on several other stations oh. that there are... Uh, other factors like drugs and that they're carrying guns because they have to protect the money that they have on them yeah. and uh, issues like that. And, I'm, and then there's the other issue of I forget how many thousand people are pouring out onto the streets at a certain time of day because of bar closing mm-hmm. laws. Um, and then there's the whole drug culture that's been created by the whole, the whole environment in any case, which I think has always been with us, but we haven't been as adamant about fighting drugs as we're increasingly getting you know, closer to that zero tolerance level. Mm-hmm. And so I think in light of the environment we've created, particularly with drug laws, if drugs are behind this, then this has to be addressed. We've got to stop drug prohibition. People are, are what's going on here is the same as what's going, what happened in prohibition, people carrying weapons and things to protect their interests because the law would not do so. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And so what you've got is a restricted trade. And uh, the government would love to get into some of the drug businesses if it weren't so socially unacceptable, I can tell you, because <laughs> they're in the cigarettes and alcohol big time. Yep. They're talking marijuana now, and who knows, And they're already basically controlling some of the harder drugs through the pre- prescription and, and drug system now. So, uh, you know, there's big money in drugs for governments, uh, for legitimate doctors, lawyers. I mean, mm-hmm. they're in demand, let's face it. Mm-hmm. And when you try to uh, restrict the flow of anything in demand, whatever you may morally think about it, that's not an issue here. You're going to get conflicts of violence, cultures built up, you know, that, you, that just wouldn't be there if you didn't bother with it at that level. Um, when I say end prohibition, I don't mean sell heroin in the local variety store or anything like that, although that was done in our culture at the turn of the century, mm-hmm. the last century. Yes. Um, as was cocaine and other hard drugs, and many of the people who made their fortunes on drug importation of the drugs we consider deadly today uh, be- became presidents and congressmen, statesmen, you know, because that's how they they got their fortune. It's it's a huge racket, and I still believe that a large part of drug laws are. Uh, sort of an agreement between organized crime and certain levels of government, just as was spelled out in the movie The Godfather, you know, to keep drugs illegal because both departments benefit from everybody, it, so to speak. Everybody benefits. Right, except society at large in, in the broader sense. But we don't count. Yeah. We're going to pause for a second. We're coming back. This is the Jim Chapman News Hour on 94.9 CHRW. Bob Metz with us in the studio today talking about uh, this and that and the other thing. I want to come back to the uh, the drugs issue. Um, actually, I don't want to come back to the drugs issue. I want to leave the drugs issue, and I want to uh, operate from where we are today, which is no change on the horizon, no. really. So now we've got these guys out there who are more afraid of being caught by their enemies without a gun than they are being caught by the police with a gun. Um, what do we do? I don't want to be that window at the at the uh, travel agency with the hole in it. <laughs> You're, you're doing you're doing that thing to me again. Put me in that box where here's the answer. But let's not go there and let's see how we can solve it without getting to the answer. I mean, you can either ignore the problem, 
completely and just let anarchy reign. Or you can go the other way and, you know, go, but go police state. But it, <laughs> so, but, so, so have a police in every bar, yeah, uh, have yeah. uh, uh, metal detectors all over society through every door you can walk in, you know. Uh, you know <laughs> but would we have to do that for long? I mean, that's the other argument is maybe we would have to do that, but we probably only have to do it for a month. Um, that would be nice if people would change their ways and stop using drugs. I mean, all you're doing is shifting the problem from one area to another. So maybe, yeah, you might solve it down at the corner of Dundas and Richmond, but then it moves up the street. Well, I got, a, I got an email yeah. from a guy on the TV program the other day, and we, we read it last night on the, on the TV show. And uh, he said um, he thinks we should do whatever it takes to crack down on guns and get the guns off the street. He said, let them use knives. Let, you know, if, the, if violence is going to be part of this, if it's going to be part of the equation, let them carry knives because I'm much less likely to be hurt by a stray knife than I am by a stray bullet. I don't know if that's statistically accurate. I don't think it is. Well, if you're walking down the street and well, the guy's about half a block away but a lot of in a knife fight, well, you're not going to get hurt. Well, nobody's going to be real close to you when he sticks you with a knife. That's the only difference. I'm not worried about these guys shooting me. I mean, I'm because I'm not I'm not in the drug trade. I'm not hanging out at those bars. But if I happen to be have been driving, and there's another thing, driving down. You know, I've driven down Richmond Street at twelve o'clock, one o'clock on a on a Friday morning or a Saturday, mm -hmm. you know, Saturday night, Sunday morning. You're just driving down the road, minding your own business, and a bullet comes through the window. I mean, a knife's not going to do that. I'm not saying that. Oh, I, know, I, I understand the difference. Uh, you know, it's a weapon of mass destruction compared to a knife. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> but that doesn't change the nature of the problem. The people who are using these weapons. Uh, blaming weapons, uh, here we go back to that blaming thing, is yeah. not, uh, not a solution. It's the behavior we have to address. And nobody's even talking about the behavior. We're constantly blaming behaviors on things, look, literally physical objects. Well, what you see on TV, your television set, your video games. It's because your... we don't know how to modify the behavior. Isn't that really no, it? No, we do. We just don't want to. And we don't want to, we don't want to go and, and do what we already know from thousands of years of history is necessary. You have to institute justice. You have to, uh, you know, not just talk the talk, you've got to walk the walk. You've got to do what is necessary and not do what is wrong. I mean, drug laws, and to look at the bigger picture again, may have been motivated in some people by very benign and positive, you know, desires mm -hmm. to, to do something. But not recognizing the nature of government. Government is a gun, you know. That's mm -hmm. what it is. G is for government. G is for gun. That's why we have governments. But the only justifiable use of force in society is self-defense. And, you know, I'm the other way around. I say give everybody a gun, mm -hmm. you know. You want to see, in fact, that happen. Didn't the example of Kennesaw, Georgia, come up on your show I not too long ago? Point, somebody mentioned that, yeah. And uh, I was, I've been aware of that one for quite a, quite a long time, where they actually mandated people to carry guns, and the crime rate dropped something like 60% in the first year, and apparently hasn't gone up too much greater since. Yep. So, um you know, we live with a lot of myths about guns, even going back to the wild, wild west, you know, where everybody assumed there were all these, you know, shootouts in, in these towns. Never happened. It wasn't part of history because everybody had a gun. A 12-year-old could pick you off if you were going to start acting like that. Yeah. So there's just all this mythology, and Hollywood feeds it day in and day out, and you see it in the media. So naturally, we're stuck in a problem that we don't, don't recognize. The band's playing, Robert. We're done. If you've enjoyed this presentation, visit www justrightmedia.org for more programming that's not right-wing, it's just right.